I'm Anne. And I'm Lita. And this is Vodka Lemonade Stand. Cheers. So our episode today is uh, starting off with Catfish. Both the documentary and the TV show. Yes. But mostly the TV show. Because they're both excellent. I've never seen the documentary. I want to, though. Oh, I didn't know you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. Because I just started watching Catfish. Becca and I started watching Catfish on New Year's Eve. Of, oh, recently. Of, of 2017. Oh, yeah, girl. I've never seen Catfish before, but we've now seen, like, several seasons of it, so I feel pretty seasoned. I watched Catfish my senior year of college. Um, one, I watched the documentary in class as part of Intro to Digital Media Studies. Oh. And uh, I watched the uh, TV show as, like, a follow-up for that, to write mm-hmm. some, you know, get some extra material for a oh, paper <laughs> paper I was writing, <laughs> which I have in front of me. I'm so excited. So what do you know about the documentary? What do I know? Yeah. I don't know a ton about the documentary. All I know um, is that... I mean, obviously, Neve was catfish, mm-hmm. which I think is really important for the TV show because he can be a lot more sympathetic than mm-hmm. Max can be just because he's been there. And I think it offers a really important sense of um, empathy mm-hmm. in the show because mm-hmm. I think it's so easy for both catfish and catfishies to appear as jokes. Mm-hmm. especially the catfishy. Like, it's oh, really easy to judge them. So what do we mean when we say catfish and catfishy? Colloquially, collo- co- wow, colloquially, um, when we say catfish, we mean someone who is pretending to be someone else on the internet to not seduce. Seduce is the wrong word, but... Sometimes seduce. Sometimes kind seduce, of. Kind of. It's someone who is pretending to be someone else to start a relationship over the internet. Mm-hmm. Basically. And a catfishy is someone who falls prey to that, mm-hmm. right? So I have the Slate article who coined the term catfish in front of me. Um, so the person who catfished Neve mm-hmm. in the documentary, her husband is the person who says the following bit, which is where the term catfish comes This was from. in the documentary. I remember it. This I just don't remember the, the documentary. Context. Okay. They used to take cod from Alaska all the way to China. They'd keep them in vats in the ship. By the time the codfish reached China, the flesh was mush and tasteless. So this guy came up with the idea that if you put these cods in these big vats, put some catfish in with them, and the catfish will keep the cod agile. And there are those people who are catfish in life. They keep you on your toes. They keep you guessing. They keep you thinking. They keep you fresh. And I thank God for the catfish because we would be droll, boring, and dull if we didn't have somebody nipping at our fin. Interesting. That's kind of disturbing. So they're kind of like predators, but non-threatening predators in a way. Kind of. Because they're fish. Yeah, they're... That's such a disturbing analogy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty complex because... This is, like, a, a newly coined term, and it describes, like, a very specific behavior that occurs, like, online and in an internet space, but also the idea of, like, tricking people into a relationship, like, that's been around forever. Like, there was, like, one of the first female serial killers would, like, lure people to her farm mm-hmm. with the promise of a relationship, and then she'd just murder them. Solid. So. But, uh, Catfish isn't a TV show about people getting murdered. Thank God. It's just a TV show about... Roll, roll, awkward encounters. 
Luckily, you're pretty safe from murder because the whole television crew is there. So yeah. it's probably the best case scenario, actually, if Neve and Max are there, <laughs> to make sure you don't get murdered. It's the safest way to confront the person who's been tricking you into an, uh, an online relationship. Yes. I think that's actually sadly true. So, uh, Catfish. We both come at it from different places. You uh, started with a TV show. I started yeah. from an academic sense uh, <laughs> with the documentary, but also I got I got hooked on the TV show. I haven't watched it consistently, but... It never fails to amaze me, and I also just get a kick out of watching just every episode because it's like every story is the same, but every story is different. It's different every single time. And it keeps you guessing. It does. And it it keeps you thinking, like, who can I trust? No one. Yeah, it it makes you believe in conspiracy theories, this show. Oh, absolutely. So are you you ready for a special treat? I am. I'm going to read the introduction paragraph of my academic essay on Catfish. Uh, yeah, this was for media studies class uh, back in November 2013. Uh, the title of the paper is Avatars, Identity Play, and Virtual Intimacy in Catfish 2010. Uh, so here, here I go. In her new work, Alone Together, Sherry Turkle explores the ideas of online identities, virtual intimacies, social robots, and the place these emergent media phenomena ought to hold in our lives. Skeptical about the value of relationships conducted primarily through the internet, Turkle asks, does virtual intimacy degrade our experiences of the other kind and, indeed, of all encounters of any kind? And that's where I cite my source. (laughs) Uh, Turkle's analysis of the virtual self and virtual intimacy can lead to a better understanding of events of the 2010 documentary film Catfish, in which Yaniv Neve Shulman, (laughs) I did air quotes, Uh, The subject of the documentary is led into online interactions, friendships, and even a flirtatious relationship with a series of networked avatars, all created and maintained by one woman, Angela Vesselman. Alone Together and Catfish ask us to explore the nature of online identity, virtual relationships, and the ways virtual reality comes into conflict with the physical real. And then I go on for like five pages, and then I have like a bibliography and everything. I love it. That's fantastic. I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated by the show. I'm fascinated by the, uh, you know, the whole concept. And I was really pleased to to know that you do too. I honestly think right now we're having a really revealing moment about our friendship and why we even started this podcast. Because in 2010, mm-hmm. I wrote a paper for my media literacy class oh. in high school about the bachelor oh it's all coming together it's all, it's coming, all coming together, together right now we just share a little bit of analysis and just weird television programs yep that so. make you question all kinds of things about everything yourself. honestly <laughs> everything fantastic so now that we have a basic understanding of catfishing and yes. the, the place it holds mm-hmm. in uh our lives yes um i want to hear your you know, your summary, your take on Catfish, the television program Uh, on MTV. Okay. So Catfish is um, hosted by Neve Shulman, who the original documentary was about Mm -hmm. and made by, and Max Joseph, who 
was somehow recruited by Neve's older brother mm-hmm. to be part of the TV show, and he's a filmmaker himself, and in fact wrote and directed the terrible, I think, 2015 movie starring Zac Efron, We Are Your Friends. We should watch that. It's sad. Oh, That's no. the thing. Maybe I don't want to yeah, watch that. Yeah, someone dies. No. I know. My friend Bailey and I saw it in theaters, and we were just like, this was supposed to be a Zac Efron movie, like, what's well, you know, Zac Efron's playing, uh, like, Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy he or whatever. is. Yeah, but this was back in 2015. This mm. was, like, you know. When, when Zac was still HSM Zac. Um. In our hearts. What what form of Zac was he then? I don't remember. Uh, the, the Fraternity Brothers movie? Oh, Neighbors. Yeah. The girl I went to college with who um, was in Lady Bird mm. was also in Neighbors 2. Interesting. Feel that family connection. Anyway, um, so the TV show is about Max and Neve. They go and meet people who are suspected um, catfishies, mm-hmm. and they sort of, like, retrace the steps and try and find out if the person they're talking to is, in fact, who they say they are. Mm-hmm. And then they go meet whoever it is, and bring the catfish, potential catfish, and catfishy together. All in the span of 44 minutes. And it's 44 just golden minutes of twists and turns and predictability and unpredictability. Mm-hmm. And it just, it makes my heart stop. But you have some insight as to what goes on like behind the scenes yes. production wise because I've you've read... done research whereas I just view it. <laughs> <laughs> I read the Vulture article. So there was a Vulture article a couple of years ago about like how Catfish actually works, how Catfish the TV show works. And apparently you're led to believe that the Catfish is the person that reaches out but in fact, or the Catfishy is the person who reaches mm, like out. Like the Catfish victim. The Catfish victim. Or but it's survivor. actually the Catfish who reaches out. Mm. Okay, so they say, I've catfished this person, and I want to uh, be on TV for it? I don't know what the, like, logic is there necessarily, but I think, um, I don't know why they don't have it go the other way, but it is the catfish, in fact, who reaches out, or non-catfish in, like, very occasional instances. That seems like, uh... Honestly, the safest way to go about it. Because mm-hmm. my anxiety watching the show, not knowing that in advance, is that they show up to this person who's, like, committed a very bizarre act of mm-hmm. tricking another person, mm-hmm. sometimes for months, occasionally for years. And I'm like, how do you know when you knock on this person's door and confront them that you're, they don't, like, pull a gun on you and everybody, like, dies? dies? And yeah, so it's actually very good. comforting mm-hmm. to me to know that... Like, not only is it planned in advance, but they've also, like, initiated it. I think it has to be, like, due diligence on the part of MTV because they don't want to go into something with only the perspective of the catfish because the catfish is the person who doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or the catfishy. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. This is, like, really confusing terminology. Yeah. The catfishy is the person who doesn't know what's going on. So if MTV started there, they would have no idea what they were getting into and they would have no idea how to, like, plot an episode and they don't have the time or money to waste on that. Mm-hmm. So they this start, is a low-budget production. Yeah, so they start... Actually, I looked up Max and Neve's net worth and salary. Low. Really? Low. Wait, like how low? Yeah, so Max's salary, supposedly, according to Google, 
is $140,000 a year. For being on TV on a weekly basis? Is... But the thing is, I realized they probably only record for a very short oh, amount right. of time. Right. So even though he's making $140K, that might be for like eight weeks of work. And so he still has time to make Zac Efron movies. Exactly. Except that was really lame because it did overlap with when they were filming. So they had like guest hosts. So they had like Tyler Oakley and like other random people. And I was like, this is bullshit. I want next. I also remember Neve had a Vine account that actually was pretty popular. Did he? And I want I I want to confirm if he's responsible for one of my favorite vines. Ooh, Anne's really into Vine. I, I miss it every day. I genuinely miss it every single day. Lita's giving me a look, so we're gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't but if into that's, Vine. If that's true, I'll confirm via Twitter, Twitter later. Perfect. Because I don't have the energy to look it up. We've had some we've had some vodka we've tonight, had folks. Drinks. We've had, had some, some vodka tonight. <laughs> um so tell us more, what, what, what else was up behind the scenes? Um, so we see, like, approximately a three to five minute montage of Neve and Max sitting down, sometimes in their hotel room, sometimes in a coffee shop, doing the investigatory work. So they are doing the reverse image search. They're looking up phone numbers. That can take up to 12 hours in oh, real man. time. They seriously edit it down. And I think they've gotten faster mm-hmm. as production has gone on. Just, I mean, it makes sense. They're on their seventh season. Like, they can't be as bad at yeah. it as they were season one. Um, but there is a lot of grunt work that they don't see. And the funny thing is production knows exactly what's happening, right? Oh, so they have to find out what yeah, production so already like, knows. Yeah, so it's like, are stuck being like, okay, let's figure this out. But everyone around them knows what's going mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. which I just think is kind of funny. That is funny. It's like a bizarre scavenger hunt it is it, it like scavenger hunt is probably the best way to put it honestly mm-hmm. um like a really bleak scavenger hunt yeah that makes you afraid at the end i was saying to Lila, i was like i'm 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 terrified it's pretty like a lot of the people who catfish i mean there are some situations where you know it's personal and something happened but there are a lot of times when you're like this person is a legit psychopath mm-hmm. like there is something seriously wrong with this person that they would as intently pursue this activity and this deception like i don't know it says something really weird about you what does it say to be someone who is cat bitched okay i think there are a couple different scenarios one is that you have been hurt considerably, which mm-hmm. is something we were talking about as we were watching an episode just a little while yeah. ago. Yeah, I was like, oh, you said you love this person after three days. Like, are you okay? Like, mm-hmm. what's what happened last time with the last person you were romantically involved with for you to, like, go from zero to 100 like that? Mm-hmm. So I think in some cases it's either, like, a loneliness thing, like no one has ever made you feel like that before, or mm-hmm. someone hurt you, so you're clinging on to a situation where someone is showing you the love and attention that you want. I think a lot of times it's either a loneliness thing or a, like, emotional damage kind of thing. Which is common, and it's something that people experience a lot. And that's why I think you mentioned earlier, like, it's really good that Neve was, like, someone who was catfished. Mm -hmm. So he's not like, I can't believe these people would, like, fall for this. They must be so dumb. Like, you kind of just have to have this, like, faith in other people. You're like, Mm -hmm. well, nobody would do that. That's... You know, who would do something like that? And I think that's why the show works, because Neve and Max kind of play good cop, bad cop, Mm -hmm. where Max is like, you can't possibly believe this. Like, Max is the 
cynic, the voice of reason, mm-hmm. the like the cynicism mm-hmm. aspect of it. And Neve, like he's been there. He gets it. He understands how easily you can sort of fall prey to this, especially when a lot of the people who are catfished are young. Yeah. They are between the ages of like 18 and 24. Yeah, they might be just starting out in their romantic lives. Mm-hmm. And they just don't really know what the, the red flags are. And sometimes they've been talking to people for years. Like maybe they started when they were in high school mm-hmm. and have grown so attached to this person that they can't see the red flags yeah. in the way that they would appear to someone who, you know, was coming into it with fresh eyes. Yeah. And, like, I discovered this show and I started watching it when I was in, like, a long-distance relationship where basically our entire relationship happened through online. And, like, mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't being catfished because we met each other in high school and I, like, seen him face-to-face. But, like, there were times when I'm texting him and I'm like, oh, I wonder if, like, his sibling has picked up his phone and is texting me. Like, how do I know? There's no way for me you to don't. know. So, like, that made me see, like, okay this is a reality that people face and it's wild and it, it gets me excited every time. Let's talk about Neve and Max more. How are they different? Yes. How are they alike? Oh my gosh. Okay. I love, I love talking about Neve and Max because they have such a great dynamic. They've been working together for so long mm-hmm. and kind of how I was saying Neve is the good cop. Max is the bad cop. So Neve is kind of running the show. It's his show because he was the person who kind of started this mm-hmm. whole awareness Mm -hmm. I guess and they're both what I really like about both of them and the thing that sort of touches me emotionally about the show is that they genuinely care Mm -hmm. like they have both Anne and I were talking a little bit earlier about our favorite catfish moments and my favorite moment well I have a couple favorite moments from different episodes but one of my favorites was when the person who was catfishing ended up being, like, a really unhinged, aggressive, almost violent person. And Neve has an injury. Like, something's fucked up with his foot or his ankle or Mm -hmm. something. He's on crutches. And Neve is, like, crutching his way in front of the catfished person. Oh, my goodness. Being like, if you want to get to them, you have to go through me. Wow. Because, yeah, they're very protective of the person. They're so protective. He was putting himself bodily Mm -hmm. in front of this other person. And... I think that's, like, even though it is super commercialized and obviously it's a TV show and MTV has to make money off of it, it does genuinely feel like Max and Neve care about the people that they're working with. Um, Even seven seasons in when, as Anne pointed out, like, you have to be pretty hardened. Mm -hmm. Like, you have seen seen some some shit. shit. Yes. Exactly. But they still have the ability to empathize and to really care about the people they're working with. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. really special. I don't think you could say Catfish is a show that doesn't exploit people's, like, awful sadnesses. But at the same time, it's not inhuman. No. Um, and you're, you're not very likely to come away from the show, like, laughing and giggling and pointing fingers. You're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. That hit me so hard. Yeah. And I love it. Absolutely, but I think I think you're right in that, hopefully, the impression we get from the show is that people don't feel like they're being taken advantage of. Like, they might recognize that, you know, they're in a for-profit machine, mm-hmm. but Neve and Max are there to protect them, are there to stand up for them, are there to care about them. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds, like, super smushy and sentimental, but that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Out of this podcast, who's the Neve, who's the Max? 
Oh my god, I'm the Mac. You're the Mac. For sure. <laughs> oh my god, I am for sure bad cop. Mm-hmm. I am the cynical, irritated, dinosaur haired <laughs> of us. <laughs> and you are the tender hearted, understanding. Like, well, well, let's let's think about it this way. Like, yeah. What what if? One hundred percent. I'm willing to like give people a tank. Nope. Um, but I think we, we all have our Neath moments. We all have our Max moments. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like we would actually be good. Like, if we could make another Catfish show, I think we'd be really good at it. <laughs> I'd say we should, because it's, the thing about Catfish is that there's a little bit of a bizarre thing to it, is there could be a 100% scripted, acted, cast episode of Catfish with actors. And you would not be able to tell the difference no. at all. So why can't we just do that? We could. We said it's a low-budget production. Super low-budget. The budget. camera style is very easy to mimic. It's very formulaic. Mm-hmm. So, All you, know. you need is, like, a cute, like, banter mm-hmm. and relatively compelling characters and some form of transportation. Like, literally, that's all That's yeah. all you need to make yeah. it work. <laughs> so be on the lookout for our summer project. Uh, yeah, I was joking with Anne that once we get into video, mm-hmm. this will be our first. Yeah, when, we, when this podcast pivots <laughs> to video, you'll see our, our pastiche of Catfish. Maybe we'll do that on Vodka Lemonade Stand's first trip to New Orleans. We'll oh, do, yeah, yeah we'll, the, like, tie it all in. <laughs> the trip to New Orleans we're planning because we're inspired by the original. It's so fucking good, guys. Watch the originals. I know. Every time they have a scene of, like, some, like, gathering in, like, the street on, like, Bourbon Street, I'm like, you're like, we should go. And I'm like, we should go. I was just telling someone yesterday, I went on a first date, and he asked me if I'd ever been to New Orleans, and I was like, yeah, but with my mom. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I didn't have the true New Orleans experience, which is why Anne and I are going to recreate it, and we will live pod Mm -hmm. from New Orleans. Buckle up. When will that be? Not sure. We haven't put on the calendar yet. We don't know. I gotta check my bank account. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) We'll we'll figure out when the cheap flights are. The nice thing about New Orleans is you can go really at any time of year. So we'll get back to you. Don't worry. It will happen. Fabulous. Um, So we talked about Neve and Max, like, who we identify with. But who are we, like, crushing on? Oh my god, you go first. I'm definitely crushing on Max. He's... Got that, like, salt and pepper hair that I can't handle, and just the way he holds himself is so, like, at ease and beautiful, and, yeah, he looks so good in clothes. <laughs> I want to see if he looks as good. Not in clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it was funny. There was, this made me so sad. There was an episode that Becca and I watched a couple days ago where a girl, the catfishy, said that she wasn't into skinny guys, and he was like... Like, am I too skinny? Um, and she was like, yeah, I would go for more him. And she pointed at Max. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and then for the rest of the episode, Neve called him, like, the bigger one. Or the, like, I don't know. I mean, he didn't use the word big, but... <laughs> They've got a fun rapport. They have a fun rapport. And I think, honestly, I agree with you. There's something really appealing sorry this is gonna get a little weird but there's something really appealing about the person who's really cynical and prickly Mm -hmm. but has that secret protective marshmallow Mm -hmm. goodness inside I don't know that's just like such a turn on I don't I don't I don't know what it is but Neve is like too tender hearted is it a dad thing is it a dad thing He's got that salt and pepper hair. He like, has that like protective, sexy daddy thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. We're getting. We're getting into some uh, business right now. But I'm 
No, you're not. He was just too nice. Although apparently fine. him and his wife are into some kinky shit. Oh. I have read on the interwebs. What were the interwebs? Uh, I don't know. An interview. It was like with People Magazine or this something. This didn't come up in fine at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know me. I like to do my research. Mm, you do. Uh, you really dig deep. <laughs> like, you could do, like, opposition research for a candidate and be like, here's why you shouldn't run because I found all of these things. Have I told you? So, a friend of mine once was speculating why I was so good at and liked my job so much. So, I work in comms, but I also do a lot of development and fundraising. And they were like, Lita, you're so good at your job because you're a really nosy person. Like, you like knowing things about people, even if it doesn't actually matter. Like, even if it doesn't really impact you, you just like knowing things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is such a solid take on me. Well, I think that would also serve you really well if you were to do a catfish investigation because you would be, like, all over the profiles. You'd be cross-referencing things, you know, and you'd be like, this doesn't add up. Or, like, this doesn't make sense. Or this post doesn't match up with that post. It probably goes back to 2013 when I worked for the Merkley campaign, mm. and you do a lot of research because one of my jobs as an intern was to write memos for the senator whenever he went to fundraising events that was basically lining up who was going to be there and who they were and why they were relevant. So mm-hmm. it was like pictures on one side and explanations on the other side. Tiny it was dossiers. like a cheat sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was a dossier. Um, I think that was the that was the beginning. So thank you, Senator Dad, Senator Merkley. <laughs> <laughs> um, Precious. You have led me to where I am today, which is a nosy bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so the basic structure of an episode of Catfish. You got Neve, you've got Max, and you've got the person who is being catfished, and you've got the person or persons or just nebulous entity that is the catfish. Or the other side of things. They're not always a catfish. Most of the time Mm -hmm. they are a catfish, but occasionally you were surprised. I did watch an episode where there was no catfishing at all, and it was just a guy who actually just didn't own a webcam. It's an amazing episode. I texted Becca right after I watched that, and I was like, you have to see this episode. It's so absurd. It just seemed like he was tricking her because he would never get on the phone. They would never... Like video chat, and they never visit each other over the course of years. I think seven it was. Years. seven years. My longest relationship was long, and it was six years. Seven years. Oh my god. And I think they just they just at the end, in the end they were like, "Buddy, like I'll buy you a webcam. They cost ten bucks." But anyway, that was one episode out of that doesn't seven happen seasons. Super often. Seven seasons. <laughs> um. So out of this whole cast of characters, mm-hmm. which one would you be? And your fantasy I think we episode should do. Catfish. I think we should do you first because oh, I think mine gets a little dicey. I feel like I would be the concerned friend who, in in the structure of the show, like writes in to MTV and is like, "Hey, MTV, like I'm really concerned for my friend so and so. Like, you know, they've been in this relationship for like I'm gonna say like six months now, but like I don't know this person, and I'm." Concerned that they're catfishing, and I know all about catfishing because I watched your documentary and I'm big fans. <laughs> anyway, find Anne. Like, that would be me. I think that's 100% right. And um, I think I could go in two ways about it. Realistically, I think I would be Max. I would be the skeptical, like, let's sit down, let's have a hard conversation about this. These are all of the red flags. Why aren't you recognizing them for what they are? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, as I was telling Anne while we were watching this most recent episode, I think I would make a really good catfish. You'd be a really good catfish. You'd be so effective. Because the nosiness plays into that. It's true. Because you have to know what people are going to be 
willing to, um, you know, look past in order to be in a relationship. And, like, what would hook them? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. the other bit, is you have to know what people's... This sounds so bad. Again, this is my, like... If I were a worse person, I would be a catfish. I just... Like, I think that... I think that would be the case, because I would look at it, like, what is this person's vulnerability? Like, Mm -hmm. where is the opening? What could I use? Fortunately, I'm a good person. I've never contemplated doing this Mm -hmm. before, thank God. Contemplated Um, or seriously contemplated? Because they're different. Honestly, contemplated. One, it's a use of time that I don't have. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's 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 very time-consuming. Like, I barely have enough time for... I have, like, a handful of close friends, and I spend lots and lots of time with them, which means I don't have time for anyone else. Like, that's just the You don't have time for a fake friend? I don't have have real friends, Especially because it's, like... I don't know. I mean, sometimes the catfish ends up having genuine feelings for the person they're catfishing, but I mean, it starts out from a place of falsehood, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just can't imagine garnering up enough, I don't know, enthusiasm, commitment, yeah. commitment to do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so luckily, luckily, I say contemplated like seriously contemplated and actually contemplated mm-hmm. like I can mm-hmm. recognize about myself that I would be good at it but luckily I am pure of heart mostly and have never actually if someone wronged me though I would do this in a minute <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was waiting for I was like what would it take? I, if someone pissed me what off would it take, I would do Lita? this in a split second <laughs> and I would be so damn good at it I have this fantasy of inviting a bunch of people to a fictional wedding where the couple what? the couple doesn't actually exist and okay. they're also like oh i go to this wedding for my person that i only kind of know so it's not very very fleshed out this isn't a very good plan but i have the, i have an idea of like having a bunch of people come to a wedding that i think is going to be like you know very fancy and wait is this like, your wedding or like, two random people it's just a party i i don't know maybe my okay. wedding maybe two random people whatever gets people in the door okay but it's a surprise party instead. So I would use my powers That's for good, is what I'm saying. And I would use my powers for revenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is accurate. Someday. Someday, probably, this will happen. Like, let's be honest. Be on the lookout. Don't hurt Lita. Also, also, if somebody hurts you and you want to catfish them, I will help you. Like, Aww. I'm a supportive friend. First of all, that's so touching. Second of all, I just realized I... I'm Taylor Swift, but instead of writing a song about people, I will catfish them. Yeah, yeah. So be on the lookout. Yeah, seriously, be careful. Warning to everyone. Do not mess with me. Mm-hmm. I will come for you. Mm-hmm. What catfish persona would you design mm-hmm. to entrap me as the, uh, the catfishy? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. If I were to catfish Anne, this is going to be tricky for both of us, actually, because we're both bi. Mm-hmm. Which I feel oh. like is tricky, right? Because you would have to pick a gender and mm-hmm. stick with it. Mm-hmm. That just that just opened up a whole new it, realm right? of vulnerability for me. It, it <laughs> does, though. Um, because I was thinking, I was like, how could I? Okay, so I think I think a version of a way I would catfish you is not through Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. but a guy who was really committed to another, like, reproductive rights cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I think that would be my end because I was like, please. Are you thinking like Nayral or? Well, Nayral or maybe like from somewhere else, like another local organization, Mm -hmm. like. Like an abortion fund from back east. Yeah, something like that. Like, I think that would be my in. It's like, oh, like I see that you organized this event for Planned Parenthood Advocates of Oregon. Can I pick your brain? I am organizing this event back in, you know. Wherever. Michigan. And although I'm no longer living there, like, I'm just really committed to the cause. And... I think, I think it would be, yeah, I would use reproductive rights mm-hmm. because. I mean, that's how we reconnected. You know, that is how we reconnected was through you could, have, you could have been a catfish. I could have been a catfish. I wasn't. <laughs> you chose you're God. a real person. I am a real person and Anne knew me. Mm-hmm. That would be like. But weird. no, because you, you could pose as somebody we knew in sixth grade. Absolutely. Like, hey, I moved to X state Ooh. and, uh, you know, I see. You know, you've been doing this, I've been doing this, other stuff. I love to, like, catch up online with you sometimes. Yeah, I think it would either be reproductive rights or podcasting. Because Mm. those are the two things that I know that you're into in your free time. Even before we started Mm -hmm. this podcast, Mm -hmm. like, you're part of a podcast group. Yeah. Um, So I would take one of those ins. That is perceptive because I did have somebody, like, cold call me through my, like, website. Oh, really? Um, like, hey, I, you know, I saw that you worked on this show at KSPC in Claremont, and I'm looking to, like, revive that show. Can you tell me more Ooh. about it? And I did not know who this person was. I believed them when they said that they were a student, and I looked at their LinkedIn, but, like, LinkedIn. Mm. And I was like, yeah, let me tell you everything I know about this. And, you know, that could have been the start of the catfish episode. It's true. It could have been. So you're on the right track. I appreciate that. How would you catfish me? <laughs> How would I catfish you? I feel like, similarly, it would have to be somebody who was, like, deeply involved in one of your passions, but far enough removed that you wouldn't be able to, like, check their story. Mm-hmm. So, like, not somebody who works for, like, some NGO here in Oregon, but definitely someone who works in, like, adjacent things um, or is, like, seeking new industries. So maybe you know, bringing up LinkedIn, I'd have them reach out over LinkedIn mm-hmm. first. Okay. Because I just, I don't know. I don't know a ton about LinkedIn, but I feel like the way LinkedIn works is so different than other platforms that you can just spam, like, request people. And some of the time people be like, I don't know this person, but I want more LinkedIn connections, so I'm going to add them. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to look legitimate. Whereas, like, Neve and Max are like, oh, you have fewer than 100 Facebook friends? Like, you're definitely not real. Right. I feel like it's easier to make LinkedIn connections because people just don't care that much. I can see that. So, it reach out on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> and um, I think it would be a guy. That's who you've been dating lately. I have. Um, I can play the guitar because you play the guitar. I do. But he wouldn't play Wonderwall. He would play like. Oh my god, no! <laughs> he play like nicer stuff. And he, um, oh my gosh, he'd also be, like, something you're into that you're really excited about. Um, he would look like Harry Styles. Like, so the, the photo <laughs> I would use would not be, like, of Harry Styles because you'd catch that in an instant. But it would be similarly, like, somebody with, like, gorgeous hair and a really nice button-down shirt. And, like, a little bit, like, gender ambiguous. Yeah, maybe he would also be bi. And he'd be like, hey, I work for this 
by awareness organization. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. But I feel like you're so sharp, you would see right through. I would. So this would I like, could never this would be, be This would be a catfish that would last a day and a half, tops. Because, again, I work in development. I stalk people online for a living. It would take so much work to catfish you, and I don't have the time. <laughs> I think that's legit. So, in case you were wondering, audience, don't waste your time, go for man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much more vulnerable. I literally, I could, yeah, I was, I was joking with Lita earlier, like, I could go through my Tinder matches right now and pick out, like, which one is the most likely to have been a catfish. And I think I know off the top of my head. I'm not going to get into it, but, like, I, I, it's possible that I have already been catfished. Oh, no. I did get stood up. You did. It could have been a catfish. It could have. My oh. ex-boyfriend, his pictures were used to catfish someone. Oh, my God. That's even I better. No, That's a whole extra area that I didn't even explore. Because in the most recent episode we watched of Catfish, it was some, like, Italian tattoo artist. Yep. Whose, his pictures were grabbed to make it seem like he was somebody from Austin, mm-hmm. Texas. He was not. No. What would you do if you found out your pictures were used to catfish someone? Oh, my gosh. One, I would be flattered. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be Because it's, be like, honest. somebody who's, like, cute enough to be bait. Yeah, exactly. So, first first reaction would be flattery. Second reaction would be damage control. Mm. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by damage control? I guess if I was in a position to, like, either... I mean, I guess it's how you... It would depend on how you found out that you were being used to catfish, right? Mm-hmm. So, if someone reached out to me and was, like hey, somehow, unlike most people who are catfished, I was savvy enough to use reverse image search, and I found your Facebook profile, and someone has been using your pictures. Yeah, I just want to make sure you don't know anybody by the name of XXX. Exactly. Um, So I would definitely be the person who was like, oh, my gosh, do you want to FaceTime? Like, let me tell you where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Let me assure you that... I am the real me, and whoever you're talking to is not me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would find that my personal responsibility. What if this is how you meet your true love? And they're like, hey, it looks like somebody used your photos to package <gasps> me. But oh, my gosh. I just want to say I think you're really beautiful, and, you know, we don't live too far from each other. And if you ever want to hang out sometime, this is weird, but. And we should write this book. Shh. <laughs> Copyright. Don't take it. Well, no. <laughs> don't take it. Or maybe that's how you catfish someone. It's like, hey, you know, somebody was using your photos to Whoa, catfish Whoa, that's so me. meta, Anne. And then they're catfishing you. You could get so meta with this show. Okay, well, don't take it. Anne and my 2020 bestseller will be a catfish <laughs> rom-com novel. Catfish so, rom-com, I love that. I think we should do that for sure. During our New Orleans trip, we'll have a writer's retreat. Perfect. And we'll write our rom-com novel. Our... <laughs> Romance, um, what is that called? Chicklet. Chicklet. Perfect. But it'll be very socially aware and very progressive mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in concept. Mm-hmm. There'll be pl- plenty of queer representation. Tons you of know. queer representation. It'll be great. And a lot of agency on the part of whatever women are involved. You'll come away learning something. Exactly. Like, my, I was never able to realize my dream of writing a full feminist screenplay i have like three quarters mm-hmm. of a feminist screenplay mm-hmm. so this might be the opportunity mm-hmm. we'll write instead feminist chiclet look forward to it 
2020, babe. Fall 2020. 2020. Because <laughs> that'll be, like, the consolation prize if everything goes to shit in 2020. Mm-hmm. You, at least you'll have this one novel before, um, before the end. And as, for us personally, like, even if things go to shit, because Anne and I, as you probably picked up on, super politically active, yep. super invested, yep. at least we'll have our literary success sure. going for us. <laughs> sure. I'm, like, planning out our... Like, alternate path, just yeah. in case everything is on fire. Yeah, and I just want to say, if you think that you could never, ever possibly be catfished under any circumstances, there's so many people posting online that you have no idea where they're coming from, what they're talking about. They might be, you know, Russians who are looking to conspire against us, but it would be impossible to tell. That's fair. So, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Okay, so my question that I have for you, and then we, we can puzzle over together. I'm ready. The most recent episode that we watched, the, the catfish found their catfishy on Plenty O' Fish. Ah, uh, yes. Which I mistakenly believed was a Christian dating website. It's not. Turns out it's not. And the, the fish has nothing to do with, like, the loaves and fishes. It's just a regular fish. It's not P-H. I was thinking... It's just F. <laughs> I was thinking of Christian Mingle. Um, so... But why does there seem to be a higher instance of catfishing on Plenty of Fish? I wonder if there's some some truth to what you speculated about you not needing to verify your, I don't know, social media presence. Mm-hmm. Like with Tinder, with most online dating apps, you need to go through your Facebook account. Mm-hmm. And you can still, like, create a Facebook account. Yeah. It's not it's just invaluable. just one more step. But it is another step. It does give some sense of validity to the experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if that's part of it. I also don't know if Plenty Fish, because OkCupid is primarily an internet app, not, or like a website, not an app, right? I think it has an app, but it, has an it app. started as a website, and I think its primary focus is that. Right. So I wonder if Plenty Fish is the same way, because Tinder obviously is an app, not a yeah. website. Yeah. So I wonder if Plenty of Fish in that way is easier to manipulate because of the website. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. The only thing I know about Plenty Fish is I used to work, so I've done a lot of restaurant work in Mm -hmm. my, in my time. And I worked with a guy whose roommate was in a relationship with a girl on Plenty of Fish who was like legit in love with her brother, like serious incest vibes. Like I'm not, like I'm not even joking. Like he went to her with his, concerns about her relationship with her brother and so I've always had like a really weird take on plenty of fish because that's the only thing I think of Mm. is like incest so I really bring incest back weird branding weird branding um you think I think it's a Christian website you think it's creepy as hell I think it's an (laughs) incest It's a platform we're not familiar with. But it's curious. Like, it is, like it's never Tinder. It's never OkCupid. It's never Bumble. It's always Plenty of Fish or Facebook or mm-hmm. some other, like, social networking, not dating mm. app. Mm. And I wonder why that is. Like, Plenty of Fish, I feel like, is seriously singled out. Like, I've watched a lot of Catfish. Becca and I have lo- watched a lot of Catfish. And the only dating site that I see regularly referenced is Plenty of Fish. That's so interesting. Why is that? We'll investigate. We might we might update later. But yeah, I think it, it, my best guess is it has something to do with verifying with other, your other accounts. Like if you don't have to verify it with other accounts, it's easy to create up like a false identity. 
so easy. And I feel like that's the case with OkCupid, too. You don't need to... Does he have usernames and such? Yeah. yeah. So I wonder why hmm. Plenty of Fish does it have to do with Canada? Yeah, because they probably are both free. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay, we're going to do some research. We'll get back to you on Twitter or next episode. Yes. Other questions we have that are still unanswered are, like, the legal slash criminal implications oh, of the, yeah. the practice of catfishing. Like, where are you liable? Where could you be charged uh, if you were charged with a crime related to your catfish activity? I think the easiest and most obvious answer is if you were talking to a minor and you solicited nude pictures. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, a serious, serious, serious crime. Yeah. And that one's really, really obvious. But this is something Anne and I were talking about as we were watching this last episode because, like, technically you are impersonating someone, but only to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you usually are only using their pictures, not necessarily their name, not necessarily yeah. their identity. Like, yeah. So it's almost like if you got a professional headshot done by a photographer and you purchased that photo and you put it on your, like, LinkedIn, again, because, I don't know, maybe, like do actors LinkedIn. use LinkedIn? I don't know. Somebody with a headshot. And then I somebody... I who use LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. And then somebody were to lift that photograph and use it for their catfishing purposes, I think maybe the photographer who did your headshot session could sue the catfish. I think you're right. For using their intellectual property. But that's an unusual circumstance, I feel like, especially with selfie culture. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you take a picture of yourself, you own copyright to that photograph, I think? Could you be held legally responsible, though? Or is that even, like, something that someone, pursue, like, could pursue? Like, maybe you could technically pursue that, but also the average catfish yeah. is probably not looking to get into a legal battle. I think the yeah, the legal fees related to going after somebody for using your photograph to catfish someone else would be not worth, like, the benefit that you could possibly get out of it. Yeah. But that is, like, the one, like, quote-unquote crime that I can think of right off the bat. But also, like, if, if you use catfishing to, like, you know, manipulate somebody giving you money, oh, that's, that's a crime. Oh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that's just fraud. Straight up fraud. That is straight up fraud. But that doesn't happen as often as you think it might. But it like, does. I've, I think, a, I've seen a handful of episodes where that happens. There's a good reply all episode about this, I think. Oh, is there? Yeah, where somebody, I think it was like a like a Nigerian prince situation. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing about catfishing, it doesn't seem like it's generational. Like, you think like, oh, old people falling for email scams. But we just saw a 21-year-old, you know, fall for a, a, a romantic lie. Yeah. So it, there's really not a, a clear pattern among people who are susceptible to catfishing, and it makes me think that we're all at least a little bit susceptible. I mean, I think it's a vulnerability thing, not mm-hmm. an age thing. Yeah. Because like we said, I don't think I could ever be catfished. I'm too naturally skeptical, and I will do my research. Mm-hmm. But it's shocking, and I think for that reason it's shocking to me when Neve and Max show up and they start doing the reverse image search. They start looking up the phone number, and they're like, why the fuck didn't this person do this? And that's the same question I'm asking myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you had any sort of doubt, why wouldn't you have taken, like, the most basic steps? Yeah. Right? And I've even matched with somebody on Tinder, found their Instagram from there, found their Twitter, read tweets that they wrote in 2010, like, because I was bored. Yeah. Like, this is very that's something people do now. This is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a stalker. She is. Oh, I'm a stalker. 
but some people don't. And the, I think it comes from like having like faith in people and also not understanding the, how easy it is to create a fake account yeah. or not understanding like, why would somebody do that? It doesn't make sense that anybody would do that. And obviously this person who says they care about me isn't doing that. So I don't have anything to worry about. That makes me so sad. It is sad. It must be nice to have that level of trust though. But then how fucked up are you afterwards? Oh, real sad. Real sad. I feel so bad for the people who are like, wow, I'm so embarrassed. But do do you think they feel embarrassed? Like, what do you think somebody is feeling after they've just been on this television show where they, they don't look like a fool, but they, the way in which they were tricked is laid out very clearly. I mean, I think embarrassment would definitely be an aspect of it. I think it depends... I don't know. I think Neve is really conscientious again about making them feel like, you know, this could happen to anyone. But I do think it puts you in a really vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. How often do people refuse a follow-up interview? Does that happen? That's in the, the first time I've seen that. that oh, they usually, the they usually are willing to that. talk about it. Interesting. Yep. But is there a lot of pain in that interview? Like, where are they at? Honestly, I mean, sometimes, but not super often. Like, not as often as you would think because... I think by the time people are ready to face the person, they're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, like for them, it's kind of like a, a tipping point. Right? Yeah, they so want to close the chapter. If they're shown that the person is not who they say they are, they are ready to take the next step, move past it, move on. So I think a lot of the time it ends up being a really empowering experience for even Max to check in three months later and be like, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm doing great. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden they're not burdened in the same way that they were before, right? Yeah. So. Do these folks tend to be younger on on the MTV show just because it's MTV or just is is there a pattern there? I think they are generally younger. There have been cases where, like, it's, a mom or something, but that doesn't happen super, super mm-hmm. often. I and think, that, again, could just be MTV casting. Like, it, it might could. not be a demographic thing. It's so hard to say. Like, we don't know what the casting side of things is doing. But um, I do think you made a good point about how, because it's online, like, that does exclude some people just because of their technological mm-hmm. aptitude. Mm-hmm. And access, yeah. Yeah, because I help my boss with Google Docs on, like, an everyday basis mm-hmm. she could never catfish someone she would not know how right mm-hmm. um yeah my mom is, would not be able to catfish mm-hmm. someone so you have to be pretty savvy but and that's not necessarily generational but it does lean generational mm-hmm. right so interesting yeah fascinating the whole thing is it is watch watch catfish tweet at us about it at watch stand please we want to hear your thoughts also can we take a pee break Yes. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> okay. Once we're more legit, we can use my pee breaks as ad breaks. <laughs> That'll be amazing. Let's talk Queer Eye. Woohoo. Oh my gosh. I was so excited when Netflix brought back Queer Eye. So I actually watched the original Queer Eye, mm-hmm. not in 2003, because God knows we did not have Bravo. But it was on Netflix at some point. Mm-hmm. And again, my friend Bailey and I ended up watching a lot of Queer Eye. And I felt about Queer Eye how I felt about Will and Grace. Mm. Like, watching it later, I was so surprised by how aggressively gay it was mm. for the time it was in, right? Like, I've definitely done this rant to you before, and I won't go into it 
in totality, but it really bothers me when people are like, oh my gosh, Will and Grace, like, is so problematic. And it's like, okay, yeah, if you're looking at it through 2018 lenses, Mm -hmm. but if you're looking at it through 1999 lenses, like, you can't possibly hold 1999 Will and Grace to 2018 standards. That's not fair. Yeah. Right? Because so, they have to create content for a 1999 audience with 1999 writers and 1999 context. So, there's a lot. Exactly. So, I was, like, a little apprehensive when I found out that they were remaking Queer Eye. And I think there were a lot of articles along the lines of, like, is Queer Eye even appropriate for 2018? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised. But we'll get into it. I say I, well, we were a what-not-to-wear family. Ooh, okay. So I did not watch a lot of Queer Eye, mostly because I was focused on that makeover show. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, culturally aware of it. Like, I knew it was on the air and such. I just don't remember specifically watching any one episode. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, they're bringing that back? Okay, I guess. But it's delightful. What do we find delightful about it? I think it's interesting that they decided to sort of set up shop in Atlanta and that they only visited people in the Georgia specifically I think I don't know how far out from Atlanta they went mm-hmm. but everyone was from Georgia um a lot of people were from more rural communities mm-hmm. or at least like not suburban communities yeah. and I think it was a lot more culturally and socially aware than the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was mm-hmm. and even the fact that it was called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy like I yeah. think the interesting thing about the Netflix um, version is that there was, most notably, an episode where the guy was gay. Yeah. And he came out, and it was a whole... That was part of it. Like, meaningful part of the episode, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I I do think that was a good move on their part to remove... And I was reading an article with one of them, I can't remember who it was, just recognizing that straight men don't have the same stereotype that they had in the early 2000s that mm. they're, you know, like... Just, like, schlubby and Schlubby, gross. and they don't know anything about fashion, and they don't know anything about cooking, and they don't know anything about interior design. Mm. Like, I think... Masculinity is fluid. Masculinity is very Gender fluid. expression is very complex. It is, and that was something, actually, I was talking about on my date yesterday, about how previously maybe doing things counter to typical gender roles would be seen as unusual Mm -hmm. but now that we're in 2018 like yeah some people might think it's weird but a lot of people would not Mm -hmm. and that's something we have made a lot of progress with Mm -hmm. I'm very fond of the show and I think what's great about it and I think this is the consensus among a lot of viewers is like every episode has a moment where you just start like tearing up a little bit getting real emotional because it's like a beautiful learning moment that feels genuine and not like And it seems a lot less vain, having seen the original Bravo series, it feels a lot less surface level than it used to be. Like, I think beforehand it was very much a, like, let's make sure you look good, let's Mm -hmm. make sure you're projecting this image that's the image you want to be projecting. And I think a lot of it in the new Netflix series is internal like there's a lot of internal let's get to know you let's understand you Mm -hmm. as a person let's see where you're at and let's see what it's going to take you to like move you out of your rut basically exactly Mm -hmm. so i think that's pretty profound that's a very profound difference yeah i am enchanted by the first episode specifically Mm -hmm. 
with a much older gentleman. Well, much older. He's, mm-hmm. I think, in his 60s? late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, like so, and I think probably the reason is why he's, he's like a couple years older than my dad. Um, and he's got this like big scruffy beard and, uh, you know, some like discoloration on his face. He seems like he's insecure about and then I'm, yeah, he why he has a big beard. Yeah, which is common. And yeah. there, he's just sort of like moving through life and, and hasn't had a lot of, of, of luck in, in love. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought it was a pretty lovely episode because you're not just sort of like, oh, like here's some like oh, older dude. I guess we have to make him over. It's like, let's get to know you. Like Let's like build a friendship for the course of a TV show mm-hmm. and like make some changes that are going to make you feel happier and more confident. Mm-hmm. That touched me, and I cried a little bit. Oh, because I think like there's a part where he's crying, yeah. and men in their fifties and sixties crying will immediately make me cry every time. Oh, that's like one of my things where I'm just like I can't help it. And there was even like Officer Healy on Orange Is the New Black was crying one time, and he's like not a very sympathetic character a lot of the time. Like he's a bad person. Like he was crying, and I I was like immediately crying too. I was like I can't handle it. I can't even watch him be sad. Like it, it's painful. So, there's some insight into my psychology Aww. that we will unpack later. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, what are some standout episodes for you? I think um, the obvious standout episode is the episode um, with, as I sort of mentioned earlier, the guy who comes out to his stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only gay man who's featured on the show. And I think is the most interesting episode just in that it's an episode that never would have existed in the original series, right? Because it was literally called Queer Eye for these great yeah, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the fact that they were stepping so far outside of that structure, I think it's just really interesting. And it was also a really touching episode in that there was so much genuine emotion in the Emotioning. emotioning. I mean, I'll stand by it. That's fine. Um, there was a lot of genuine emotion that was depicted. Um, him and his stepmother were obviously, I mean, even though it was captured by camera, we're going through something really significant mm-hmm. together and really touching. So I think that and the episode right before that, which is when they um, are pulled over by the cop. Mm. and Bobby was the only one who knew what was going on, but Karamo and Tan are freaking out because they're getting pulled over by the cops. Because they're men of color. Because they're men of color. Um, I think that was a really compelling episode because, I mean, obviously it's reality television and you have to recognize that it's not completely genuine. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a certain amount of artifice to it. There's there's some artifice to it, but the fact that Karamo especially and the person they were making over had tough conversations about race Mm -hmm. and stereotypes and police and addressed a lot of that conflict. And they are still in contact Mm -hmm. and they text. And I think that's really sweet. And I think the thing that, I mean, and obviously it's like a really idealized version of, you know, trying to meet someone on common ground, Mm -hmm. like how it, unfolds on Queer Eyes, not how it would unfold in real life. Like, yeah. That's just the reality of it. But there's something really heartwarming about seeing people from two very different perspectives come together and be like, I recognize something in you that I see in myself. 
I recognize that we're not as different as I might have thought we mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just something really powerful about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, to me, those are the two standouts. Um, I think they're episodes three and four, actually. Mm-hmm. So, and there's only, like, what, eight? eight? There are eight, eight episodes. Eight episodes. I know. I've been seeing tweets that are, like, the second season of Grey Needs to have 30 episodes. Yeah, I'm thinking, like... like at least 12. Yeah, at least 12. Is that 12, so much to ask Ideally for? 20, but, like... Yeah. You know. Oh, I'm just... I'm a fan. Oh, it's got It's got broad appeal. A lot of folks have been talking about the show. It does. And I think some of that is because people were so skeptical. Again, yeah. like, what place does this show have in 2018? Mm-hmm. They made... They figured out a way to keep it current and keep it relevant in a way that people weren't even expecting it to be. Yeah. I want my dad to watch this. I don't know of a way where I can, like, persuade him to watch it with me, mm. but I think he'd be touched, and he also might pick up some, like, good self-care tips. I recommended it to my boss. Mm. I try and give her Netflix recommendations on the reg, and I was like, you would love Queer Eye. Mm-hmm. It just makes you feel good about the world. And even, again, some of that might be artificial, but... Take it where you can Take get it. it. My, These are dark times. <laughs> my motto for 2017 and now continuing into 2018 is escapism. Mm-hmm. If you can see goodness in the world, revel in it. Yeah, seriously. What's this One Direction connection that you've teased? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm so excited. So, Becca and I were watching an episode earlier this week, and her boyfriend watched like the first half of an episode with mm-hmm. us, and he asked if Tan, who is the um, fashion guy, Tan mm-hmm. France, asked if he was Scottish, and I was like, he's Sco- definitely he Scottish. not Scottish. Well, he's not, like, kind of a brogue, but he's not, like, ethnically Scottish. He's not Scottish. So, then I was like, okay, I'm, like, 99% sure he's not Scottish because I'm good with accents, mm-hmm. and so I looked him up, and I was like, oh my god, I have discovered something super interesting. Tell so, me. okay. Tell me. Tan France is from Doncaster, England. Yes. Which is where... Louis Tomlinson is from Louis. Tom- it's like a, it's a small town. Like it's not a county. It's not you know a large municipality. Like it's a small town, Doncaster, England. Population one hundred nine thousand eight hundred five. It's small. It's half the size of Eugene, which oh, if you're familiar with Oregon, is a small town. Um, so small town. And I was like, this raises a really interesting question because from what I know about Louis Tomlinson and from what I know about being you know, kind of a crazy One Direction fan in general, is that Doncaster is not, like, a super posh mm-hmm. part of England. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is Tan faking his accent? Is what? Tan doing, like, the posh London accent? Because that's not how people from Doncaster talk. Like, if you talk, if you listen to Louis Tomlinson talk and listen to how Tan talks... They're different. They are drastically mm. different. And I was like... Oh my gosh, conspiracy. What is happening here? So I still don't know. My theory is that Tan is doing like a posh London accent and is not doing the Doncaster accent. Again, I just know that Tan is from Doncaster. I don't know if he moved to London. I don't know if he moved somewhere else. But there I are not like a lot intrigued. of details on Wikipedia. No, and that's exactly where I checked. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I know, right? So a conspiracy theory, Tan's accent is fake. Interesting. Or, yeah, or I'm always interested in, like, where people get their accents from mm-hmm. and, like, how that forms. Because it's, it's complex. Oh, Maybe we'll, we'll have to bring on somebody who knows about, like, linguistics and cognitive science. Uh, like my friend Rose. And maybe she'll have some insights for us. That would be perfect. Fascinating. 
Mm-hmm. So, no. Tan and Louis share a hometown. I wonder if they know each other. Tan, I <laughs> doubt it. Because Tan's probably in his, what, like, late 30s, right? Yeah, yeah, like, in his 30s, I And think. Louis Tomlinson is our age. He's, he's also got that beautiful salt and pepper look. Oh, my gosh, he's so cute. Ugh. Tan is so I cute. I know, and I'm like, even if, like, this accent is something that you're, like, working to maintain, like, keep doing it. It sounds yeah. great. And he was the only person who was recruited to be on the show. Oh. Like everyone else went through an open audition process. Okay. But they reached out to Tan specifically. They made it happen. Because he has a fashion line. And his husband is a Utah farmer who's also an illustrator. What? I know. Doesn't that fucking a blow Utah your mind? A Utah farmer? Yeah, he's they in live a in Utah. Designer? They live in Utah. He's Mormon. That's what Wikipedia said. Yeah. And he's farmer and illustrator. This is the future liberals want. And Tan, not justifies it, that's really harsh, but says, like, we had so much common ground because him being Mormon and me being Muslim, like, I don't smoke, I don't drink, mm. like, we have more common ground than you would think. That's fascinating Isn't to me. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting to me. Oh my gosh. I have all I know they're married, but I ship it. <laughs> You know, 10 years. Like, I can get someone to stay with me for, like, four weeks. Like, what kind of bullshit is this? What am I doing wrong? Um, I don't know. Just have some... I need to have better hair. Is that... I don't know. That that might be what the Queer Eye folks tell you. But honestly, your hair is great. Oh, thank you. Your hair is great. So, who's the cast of Queer Eye? Let's run through them. Ah, yes. Okay, so... Each member of the Fab Five has their own area of expertise. So you have Bobby, who's the interior design mm-hmm. and, like, home makeover guy. You have Tan, who does mm-hmm. fashion. You have um, Karamo, who has the most, like... Ambiguous, I'd say. Or, like, right? not real job, which is culture. I'm making Soft air quotes. It's culture. Um, and then you have Johnny. Johnny. Is that his name? No. Jonathan. Wikipedia says Jonathan. Jonathan. I don't know where But there's so many that. nicknames if you go with that. That's fair. Jonathan, who does hair. Um, and, like, general... Grooming. Grooming. Um, and you have Anthony, who does food. Anthony. <laughs> we'll get into it. Don't <laughs> worry. I put it on our... Best for that. ...list. Um, and then you... I think you covered it. That was the final. Really? Oh, you yes. Said, you started with about tan. And yeah. yeah, you start okay. with Bobby. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Those are those are the five, the fab five. Fantastic. So yeah, that's the layout. What are our questions about Anthony? Okay, so there have been a lot of really funny um attack is a strong word, but some of them are genuine attacks on mm-hmm. Anthony, mm-hmm. being like, can he actually cook? Because some barbs are thrown. In a lot of episodes, he's like, let's make guacamole. Mm-hmm. Let's make grilled cheese sandwiches. Hot dogs. It's, like, a little suspicious, right? And Ira Madison, especially, bringing it back around to Crooked Media, because mm-hmm. that's all I ever talk about. Ira Madison has been throwing some throwing Ooh. some shade. Anthony is the way. Um, and I love Anthony because he's, like, gay Peter. Peter being Peter, from the Peter Krause. <laughs> the Bachelorette. Being Rachel's top two. Top two, yeah. Because he looks like gay Peter. Like, tell me I'm wrong. He I think, looks like gay Peter. I think, yeah, there's... Definitely some Peter in him. And if you look at some pictures of John Mayer and you ignore how much you dislike John Mayer, they kind of have some facial structures in common. Um, he's just, like, generally, like, sweet, kind of soft-spoken, which is great. He'll, like, really talk like this. And he'll always talk about how just, like, wonderful eating good food is and mm-hmm. eating just, like, 
nutrients and it just makes you feel good and i find it very soothing i would like i would have him like read an audiobook and and get a little bit of sleep i feel like antony to me so antony is to fab five how tommy vitor is to crooked media for me like i just find him really soothing Mm -hmm. and i couldn't necessarily explain to you why he doesn't appear to have a wikipedia page what it might have been removed because of this controversy. Maybe oh, too many people are editing put... it. Bummer. But he's the one where I'm trying to fact check and I'm running against some mm. some problems. Oh. But, but he's great. so cute. I mean, that's the fridge. Hey, friend. Hey. Fridge's like, you talking about my boy, Anthony? <laughs> I want to chime in. <laughs> in Anthony's defense, yeah. he's not trying to teach people how to become chefs. No. This isn't the Food Network. He's yeah. trying to, like, identify something that people already make or feel like they can make mm-hmm. and having them like, hey, I want to make you feel comfortable with this dish so that you can make it multiple times in the future. And for some people, that might be guacamole and it might be hot dogs and it might be a beautiful mac and cheese with rum punch, like in one episode. I don't have a problem with it. I think Anthony can cook just That's fine. That's fair. I think he's beautiful. How I feel about <laughs> his culinary abilities, a lot less certain, but he's very pretty. Which uh, cooking competition do you want to see Antony on? He doesn't have what it takes to be on Cutthroat Kitchen or Chopped. <laughs> There's just no way. I think it would be There's fun to see no him on, fucking on, way. on Cutthroat Kitchen, but he would not win. I feel like he would be on Next Food Network Star. Mm. Because that's as much about charisma as it is about culinary ability. Maybe even more so about charisma than it is culinary mm-hmm. ability, actually. And he's very charismatic. You see him on screen, you're like, oh my gosh, I love you. Even though I know nothing about you. Mm-hmm. Would you watch a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives spinoff starring Antony? Maybe if it was like, instead of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, it was like four-star restaurants. <laughs> you know, like I can't really imagine him. Yeah, because Guy Fieri, all he really does is just like say how good the food is. Yeah. And he's like loving it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I would just love to see Antony like gush about how good somebody's food Antony is. would go to like... Antony would come to Portland and be like, oh, this artisanal ice cream at Salt and Straw. You know, like, it's that would be so his show. Delicious and just, like, you've done a really excellent like, job making the flavors really stand out. And, like, the local mm-hmm. aspect, like, I just so admire just to, like, that you're featuring farmers, all of these markets, local establishments. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He would be, like, the liberal elite version of Diners, Dragons, and Dives. <laughs> And Tell I would, me I'm wrong. And I would watch it. And I would watch every episode. <laughs> I know, right? I really would. I would it's fall so asleep pretty. for that show. It's, it's so, so good. Pretty. So which of the Queer Eye guys are you most like, do you think? Um, I don't think one necessarily fits mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So Your if combination? I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I see a lot of myself in... The way um, Jonathan interacts with people in terms of, like, Mm -hmm. he's kind of outrageous. He doesn't filter. He is going to be really honest with you, but also, um, like, it comes from a good place. He's not, like, purposefully being Mm -hmm. a dick, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's honest because he cares. I feel like that's a good just concise statement about me. Yeah, and you do a good you do a good hair flip. <laughs> I do a good hair flip. Yeah, that's it's important. true. But on the other hand, I also um, identify a lot with Tan. I think part of it is um, he's 
Pakistani, Muslim, I'm Iranian. I think there's, like, I definitely understood what he was going through when he was in the car and they were getting pulled Mm. over by the cops. Like, not because I have ever been, um, like, targeted because of my appearance, but I I feel the cultural weight of it, Mm -hmm. I guess, uh, or the identity weight of it. Um, I don't know. I just, I appreciate how emotionally vulnerable he is. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I sort of ride this line between being outrageous, honest, and emotionally vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a combination of it's the like you're two frank, of them. you care. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And like part of me can be super soft and super sweet and really understanding. But then some of the time I'm saying things that make you blush. That's true. That's happened. <laughs> right here. That's right happened here. On this right podcast. at this table. <laughs> so yeah, love child. Love child between Tan and Jonathan. Yeah. That's this girl. Well, I feel like if you get to be a combination, then I get to be a combination. You get to be a combination. Of course. There are no rules, Anne. There are no rules. As a Gemini, I demand to be two things. I want to give Bobby some love. I feel like he does a lot of really quality work um, as the design expert, but mm-hmm. work that kind of happens in the background yeah. while everything else is kind of happening, like, you know, in the forefront. And we're seeing this, like, amazing transformation of whatever person they're making over. Um, Bobby's like, don't worry, I got this, I'll take care of it. And you come back and everything's done. And mm-hmm. I kind of like that for my work style. I don't like to necessarily be getting a lot of feedback midway through. I like to be able to present something when I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So I say, like, me, me and Bobby probably have that in common. And I feel like if I'm a combination, I think my other combo is also going to be tan. Um, as much as I would love to be part Antony, mm-hmm. um, I got to say I'm probably tan because, again, he's really – sincere and like will tell you what he thinks but in a way that um shows you that he's like thoughtful about it like Mm -hmm. when he's giving feedback on people's like outfits or like clothing choices he's never like oh this is trash it's like hey like it seems like you really love these patterns and i feel like you know we can work with that and we're gonna make you you know feel comfortable in Mm -hmm. your skin he also um he (laughs) How he interacts with people sometimes is how I interact with the kid I babysit sometimes, mm-hmm. where I'm like, please communicate to me why you're <laughs> acting like you are. He's like, please, like, tell me why do you dress like this? Like, why do you hide your body? Why do you feel like you don't deserve to have There's nice clothes? Like, yeah. And it sounds a little, I don't know, it can be a little, not aggressive, but I mean, he's not shying away from it. He's like, this is what I'm recognizing mm-hmm. and I need you to recognize it too. Cause we're not going to be able to do anything about it unless you admit what you're, what you're going through. Totally. So yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about us. Sweet. A little bit about queer eye. I like it. Uh, should we wrap up with our, our special game? Of course. That still doesn't have a name. DBN. Our DBN followers name. are useless. <laughs> this is At your Vodka job. Lem stand followers. All four of you. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> our few friends of the pod. Uh-huh. You're slacking. Yeah. Pull your weight. Pull your weight and recruit four more friends, each of you. Yeah. I think that's a good goal. Our, we're obviously having our public figures choose which Queer Eye guy is their fave, yes. the number one fave. Who Who is our public figures? So as we're recording this, the Oscars are tomorrow. Oh, yes. So oh, Anne yes. came up with the excellent idea to keep it, you know, topical, keep it on brand. Mm-hmm. So I chose three Oscar nominees, and they are Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm. Saoirse Ronan, and 
Jordan Peele. Yes. Because we like them. They're relevant to what we talk about. We saw all three of mm-hmm. the... Yeah, um, Lady Bird and... Call Me By Your Name and Get Out. And, get out, and yeah. two of those we saw together. Yay. Two of them we saw together. Yeah, we didn't see Get Out together, I don't think. No. Unless you happen to be here when I was rewatching it. No. Um, okay, so... No, I saw Lady Bird by myself. Oh, I saw Lady Bird with Becca. Oh. See? <laughs> okay, we saw one of them together. I also saw Call Me By Your Name with Becca. I think that's why I got yeah. confused. Yeah, Anyway, it's fine. She'll guest star at some point. She is great. Shout out. Uh, it's true. Um, okay, so let's start with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Precious Who do you think cupcake. his favorite queer eye would be? Oh, okay. Um, that's such a good question. Well, he does have nice hair. He does. <laughs> but there's that part in Call Me By Your Name that makes me think he he enjoys a food expert. I was going to say Anthony! <laughs> I was going to say Anthony! Yeah. I'm going to go with Anthony, too. Because, I don't know, I think Anthony is, like, a little precocious. And to me, and again, I don't know how much of this is Call Me By Your Name and how mm-hmm. much of this is mm-hmm. Tim- Timothy Chalamet, but, like... To me, he's pretty precocious. Yeah. Um, and Anthony has that, like, sly, like, I don't know. There's just a vibe yeah, there. Yeah. I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Saoirse Ronan? Saoirse. What do we think about you, Saoirse? Also, can I just say I identify with Saoirse so much? Mm-hmm. Because, like me, no one ever says her name correctly. And oh, I just Sersha. Sersha. I've been saying Sersha. Sersha. At least I, I'm. At least I'm not saying Sawyerzy. Sawyers. <laughs> yeah, Sersha Ronan. Um, because I, coming from a name that is challenging for people, it's like to learn how to say Gal Gadot's name. Mm. I watched Israeli television clips on mm-hmm. YouTube. You did your due diligence, and I did the same thing with Sersha. How do you say Timothy's name? Well, okay, so he prefers to be called Timothy. Timothy. Timothy, but his, sorry, I like enunciated that weird, but Timothy. (laughs) But if you were, because his dad is French-Canadian, French? French French-Canadian? One of those. Both. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, there's, some, there's some French in there. Um, technically, his name would be Timothée. Timothée. Because it has that accent aigu. So... Um, but he goes by Timothy because he realizes going by Timothée would be super douchey. It'd be a lot. And in fact, a lot of people just call him Timmy, which Aww. avoids the issue altogether. There you go. Um, but old, like... Old Tim. But like, look at his... Like, Chalamet and... It, he, so French. Extremely so French. So French. Um... So, Sersha. Sersha. Who would her face? Sersha Ronan. She's um, got great hair. She has great hair. I still don't understand where her Irish accent comes from. Is she not Irish? She was born in the U.S. from what I remember oh. researching. Oh. And I, if I didn't have this conversation with you, evidently I had it with Becca because now I'm just confusing all of our interactions. Um, Again, accents. Where do they come from? We don't know. It's so true. Um, but from what I remember, she was born in not Ireland. Hmm. But maybe... Yeah, she was born in the Bronx. Oh. Also, she's two years younger than us. That makes me feel very That's insecure. crazy, right? I think it even made me feel insecure when she was in atonement. I was like, oh. oh yeah, she was young then. Um, so she must have moved back to Ireland after she was born here because her accent is so yeah. Irish. Yeah. Um, okay, but that's me getting off track. 
Who do I think her favorite Fab Five member would be? I mean, I'm leaning Jonathan, but I can't really okay. explain why beyond just her having, like, really fine, like, silky hair. I think I'm leaning towards Bobby. Mm, why Bobby? I think as a very young, accomplished actor, she would appreciate the cra- the cra- tradesmanship. Mm. Um, because there's this really funny tweet that was breaking down the um, different roles of the Fab Five. And mm. it was like, Anthony teaches you how to make guacamole. Karamo has a conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan gives you a haircut. Bobby spends $50,000 and three weeks totally mm-hmm. redoing your entire house. Yeah. Like, the amount of relative effort he has to put in is extraordinary. And he said in an interview, he was like, everyone else got like three or four days off a week. I worked seven days a week. Yeah, because he's working with like the contractors and all of this business. And like getting all the materials and 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 coordinating. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think she would identify with his... The hustle. With the hustle, with his... um, God, this is what sh- what too much vodka does to you, man. You can't you can't remember his work ethic. Ah, his work yes. ethic. Too much vodka makes you forget the words work ethic. <laughs> My bad. It's Saturday. It's fine. It's like almost ten p.m. Like I don't oh, feel yeah. that bad about uh, it. It's fine. <laughs> um, but his work ethic. But at the same time, he's always having a really good time. Um, he's definitely having fun with his job. He's very mm-hmm. proud of what he's accomplishing. Like. No one's going to make fun of Bobby for not pulling his weight like they yeah. are making fun of Anthony for making guacamole, you know? Like, yeah. I think they would relate. All right. Jordan Peele. I feel like I have to insist that Jordan Peele's favorite is Jonathan because Jonathan is a character. Yeah. And he's very big and he's, like, worked in comedy before. I think mm-hmm. he did the uh, Gay of Thrones Gay of skits, Thrones. which are great. And I think it would just align really well with Jordan Peele's work, like as a comedy writer and actor from like Key and Peele. That just seems right to me. It feels right in my heart. I can 100% see that. I think you're 100% right. Like Jonathan, like Jordan, commits to a bit. Yes. Like, yes. He doesn't fuck around Mm -hmm. when he's landing a joke. Exactly. That's fabulous and to be aspired to it's great television it's fabulous television it's that's why they call them the fab five (laughs) perfect all right well we finished our game wraps it up uh we also have so much to talk about Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great stuff coming out love simon is coming out shadow hunters comes back all of the teen cancer stuff is happening um we need to watch jupiter ascending oh yes so there's a lot of shit we got a lot of ground to cover Mm -hmm. so we will not disappear on you that is a promise yay in the meantime look us up at vodka lem stand on twitter um tell your friends listen with friends listen as you write fan fiction <laughs> uh you know <laughs> write fan fiction about it i mean not to like put any ideas in <laughs> your mean, head or anything we wouldn't be mad <laughs> i'm just saying we wouldn't be mad all right uh cheers <laughs>